0: Homeschool Expert is here to equip you to homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. Visit homeschoolexpert.com for video and print resources. Helping you homeschool confidently is our host, Ann Crossman, and her guest expert for today's special broadcast.
1: Hi, friend, and welcome to Homeschool Expert. I'm glad you're joining our conversation today with Ashlyn Carter, host of The True Podcast with Ashlyn and Travis, and a key influencer on Instagram, about her first year of homeschooling and why she decided to return to a traditional school model. Ashlyn regularly posts on YouTube and Insta as at Ashlyn Carter, writing about living with confidence, lifestyle, faith, and flowers. Ashlyn, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your story today, and I'm super grateful that you're willing to step into this sensitive topic of Education and home education with me. Um, if I'm honest, in some ways, your story reminds me a lot of Brene Brown's Daring Greatly. I hope that doesn't set the bar too
0: high Whoa, for our conversation
1: today. <laughs> but I love how you're willing to give something a try, see if it works, and then remodel the plan if it doesn't work like you expected. So, mm.
0: all that to say, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Anna. It is such an honor. I'm really excited about this interview today. Fun. Very fun. Okay. So one of my favorite questions I
1: love to ask new friends at the park or sitting around the swimming pool with kids or wherever is who were you before kids? So (laughs) let's start there. What's the short scoop on what you were doing in life before your title changed to mom?
0: Yeah, that feels like forever ago. Um, (laughs) At the same time, not. But yeah, I've been a mom now for almost 10 years. So looking back 10 years ago, I was just uh, had left my full-time job. My background is in event planning. I left, I graduated from PLNU and Mm kind of got into the corporate event planning world. And while I loved it and I was able to travel, once I kind of got married, I was like, this isn't very conducive to having a new husband and possibly (laughs) wanting to start a family. I mean, we did events all over the country and the world. It was super fun while I was young, but um, lo and behold, I ended up actually getting a job at my alma mater, which I mentioned was PLNU, and I worked for the development office, which did a lot of fundraising, donor events with the president. Cool. So I started doing events there, and during the time of just practicing all these corporate events and philanthropy events, I just created and or desired. I had this kind of creative bent where I just wanted more. And so I blindly jumped into the wedding planning world with a girlfriend of mine. We just, we started our company. It was called Carter and Cook. We had zero clients. (laughs) Um, I feel like when a lot of times people come into their business, it's because they start getting, you know, at certain things and, you know, all of a sudden they have all this business and like, well, we might as well start a company. We were like, Nope, we just want to do this. <laughs> i had just been planning my wedding. And so I started uh, my own wedding planning company and that was right at the height of blogging, when all the blogs were starting to take off, there was some yes. of these popular blogs called green wedding shoes and style me pretty back in gosh, I guess, 2008. Um, and it was there that I began to really have this desire and love for entrepreneurship and all things creative. And I learned how to grow a business based mm-hmm. on a Twitter account and getting our, Weddings featured on all these wedding blogs and our business took off. It was really successful. We did weddings all over California. We traveled out of state and did weddings and then I got pregnant and you know, things change and at the end of the day, yeah. just really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And we tried to kind of keep the flower thing going for, or the wedding thing going for a little bit by starting to dabble in flower design. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was way less intense as far as having to deal with the brides. You kind of meet with yes. them once and then you show up on the day, you make it beautiful and then you leave, you know, yep. you don't have to do all the, all the drama meetings and all yeah. the drama and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff, um, which we love for a time, but you know, you burn out. So, um, that's kind of who I was all before becoming a mom. Um, love our friends and our community. We still live in Point Loma, which is a small community here in San Diego. My husband and Travis and I are super actually involved with the college still. He he's in commercial real estate, but he actually, um, is the surf coach for the surf team at PNU? It's kind of more oh, like a awesome. mentorship type thing. Yes, he loves it. And I'm still involved. I lead a lot of women's groups here at my house with girls that go to school there and yeah, now we have three kids. That's a very full life. That's yes, a <laughs> <Great>
1: life. <laughs> it is a good life. Yeah. So I'd love to hear more than about your space on Insta. I mean, it sounds like you caught it right at the beginning, so good move. That's awesome. Um and whenever I'm on cuz I follow you, you're you're definitely creating a culture Um, Not only that's developed quite a following, but that it's very life-giving sort of vibe to it. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the themes you focus on and where do you make space to include that in your daily life? Now that we've just said, you know, mom of three and right. You have three. I think you said.
0: Yeah, I have three yeah. kids: uh, nine, six, and five. Fun. Um, and I started Instagram. I think when my son was just a baby, or right before he was born, I was like, "Well, I don't get the hype. What's so different about this than Facebook?" And now, I see it's obviously taken off. But um, yeah, I just I think I started showing up there. I I love writing, and I feel like I can really express my thoughts through writing. And I kind of was. I think a lot of people in the Instagram space, it started becoming more like microblogging, and people were starting to t- read blogs less and less. It's funny because blogs really um, expanded my, my event career, but mm. then now I kind of, people are getting away from it. And I was able to just express things that I was going through in motherhood. And I was able to connect with people that, you know, friends and strangers alike um, through just I don't know, I just have this desire to be authentic, vulnerable, open, honest because that's that's what speaks to me when I'm especially on places like Instagram that can be so fluffy. Right. And so yes. just, you know, the highlight reel and all of that, I'm kind of like, I just, I don't know. I don't like that. I just, I want to come up as my true self. And so that's kind of where that started. And as I was leaning more into Instagram, um, I had just had my youngest, she was probably four or five months old. My husband was like, I was like, I just feel like this stirring, like there's something more for me. Hmm. And so my husband was like, Oh, well, you should start a YouTube channel. And I was like, this is not what I was thinking. Like <laughs> he loves YouTube. He's always just on it. He, anything he wants to learn, he just goes to YouTube. Right. And so this was five years ago. And I was like, he's like, you should start a vlog. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. I'm not really, I like sharing, but it's not really my desire to like have my family, you know, every day of the week on a YouTube channel. Yeah. So I started it though. He encouraged me to just jump in and start it. And after the first year I had a huge, Um, subscriber count. And it's just only grown from there. But the thing that's been so neat about sharing on YouTube and Instagram is, I feel like it's given me this window to the outside world. Um, Because like I mentioned, I am a stay at home mom. But it's given me this opportunity to share the things that I'm so passionate about, which is parenting and motherhood and faith. Mm -hmm. And then some of my most popular videos on YouTube are I'm teaching people how to turn grocery store flowers into these beautiful arrangements. Oh, cool. And um, gosh, it's just grown from there. And now I I get sponsored by these wholesale floral companies. They'll just send me tons of flowers and I just get to create and design. And it's been so so life-giving. Yeah. So that's a little bit of what, how I show up on Instagram, but also on YouTube. And yeah, it's just been a sweet little serendipitous
1: experience <laughs> that's fun so it's it's when people think of homeschool mom typically the image is something about denim jumpers and pigtails <laughs> and french braid whatever totally you know, social media savvy and florist and you know people sending you free stuff because they want you to promote them so exactly that's yeah really fun that's really fun okay so we'll get to the homeschool bit um, shortly, like how you got in there and and what you thought and all that. But before we do that, I still want to hit on your podcast. So you were saying just a moment ago, how you really value authenticity, which you've got a post on your Instagram of you with like a gray face mask on, and you're in your bathrobe. And I was like, (laughs) props to you. I don't think I (laughs) would pull that off very well. But, um, so I I know you love what's authentic and true based on what I've seen there. So Mm -hmm. talk to me about this podcast. Cause when you were getting it started, if I remember you were thinking maybe it was going to be just you and then Travis got on. And so, so how did this get going? And what are some of the things you guys talk about?
0: Yeah, it's funny how like Instagram led me to YouTube and YouTube then kind of pushed me into the podcasting world because sometimes I would hit record on my video camera to put a video up on YouTube. And it would be like 10 minutes of me sharing, you know, this journey in motherhood and what, um, what I felt like God was teaching me through it as a way to encourage other young moms or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But that got a little awkward (laughs) because it's like YouTube videos are a little bit more stimulating when there's more action. Right. So I was like, you know what, maybe I should just start a podcast. That way I can just, people can listen to me and I don't need to be, um, You know, when you have on YouTube, I even though I am miss authentic, I do feel the need to put on mascara and you know, Mm -hmm. have a tidy background. So I was like, this will be easy. So my ideal just thing to show up was I wanted it to be all things true, authentic, real, life-giving. I wanted people to walk away encouraged, inspired. And so my original direction with it was to be kind of things that are going on in my life, but then also interview inspiring women that I feel like are just out there, just rocking it, you know, like doing their thing and their, um, and their gifts and their calling. And, and so it kind of started with that, but I also knew I wanted to have my husband on cause he shares very similar, um, heart as I do, as far as we, you are, you see what you get, like, there's no, I don't know. There's no covering up who we are. We're just very open with all of our flaws and, down failures and successes, like we just, we love to share. And so he had been going through something really personal this last year. And so I'd asked him to share about it. And he did. And it went wild. Like it took off. So many people were
1: inspired
0: to here, if you want like, you're okay. Yeah. You. yeah. So he's actually walked through last this last year. Um, well it's, I guess been a journey, but he kind of came to the realization that he felt like he was an alcoholic and struggled right. with alcoholism. And so he just celebrated in may a year sober yeah, it and exciting. it's been this amazing journey for us. Um, it was kind of one thing that we both kind of stumbled into and never thought that that would be our story <laughs> and so we're still processing because we share this on our podcast if you're interested in wanting to hear the full story but it isn't like you're when you know it's just kind of like homeschool. When you picture homeschool, you picture, like you said, the denim Robert jumpers and the French braid. Well, alcoholism is so much more beyond just some guy who drinks, you yep. know, all day long and is passed on the couch. He was very high functioning. He's very successful. Never have seen him drunk ever. Yep. Um, but he just had this check in his spirit of like, you know, I think that there's something going on and I think there's more for me. And I think I need to give this up. So we were able to share that. And I think that was this huge Lipo moment for. So many hundreds of people who are like, huh, I kind of resonate with that. Mm. And so the more we had him on and sharing, he was like, I think you should have me on the podcast forever. (laughs) And I was like, well, let me think about it. And then I was like, yeah, I think you're right. I think this will be something that's fun to do together. And now, long story short, our focus is on all things marriage. But again, we hit hard topics like communication and things that are hard in marriages and affecting couples and families and all of that. So, yep.
1: That's yeah, those are very those are very real topics. And I applaud you for, yeah, you guys being honest and all that, because I agree with you, uh, things like abuse or alcoholism or trauma, they take a lot of different forms and mm-hmm. they don't fit into a neat tidy box. And in, in terms of definitions, a lot of time, so Absolutely. it is hard to sort them out. And then once you do, uh, it's like, Oh, I actually could use some support. There's more than this mediocre thing. I thought I was surviving through and yeah, I could try. absolutely. That's
0: and great. I feel like there's for at least for us, there's like a little bit of healing that gets to come once yep. you kind of make it through the other side of some of those hard things. Yes. And you're able to share it. You're like, okay, this is this is kind of the process and the the full picture, full circle moment of being able to struggle, but then be able to lean in and, and yeah. share experience and hopes to help other people. Yeah. You know, totally. I firmly believe God does not waste our pain. Correct. And so off topic, but I always think it's interesting how when we when there's
1: an area of our life that we think we have segregation to a corner. You're like, this thing only really affects this one corner. All the rest of me is fine. And then you get mm-hmm. that thing out and you're like, Oh my goodness, it actually was kind
0: of contaminating things. I had
1: no idea that they're better now. Oh Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Um, my mind has been blown by taking one step towards healing how much of a ripple effect it's had.
1: Yeah. And for your kids and yeah. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So for folks listening here, like you you can your Apple podcast, your podcast is on Apple, I should say. Yes. uh, And they can hear the full story there. You also talk a fair bit about faith in your posts also, but I want to be super transparent here. So for families who are either part of the Christian faith, or open to exploring religions and faith with their kids, or they maybe aren't even close to that faith. What can they expect in your posts? And do you feel like there's space for them to join in on that?
0: Oh, yeah, I have people of all. Walks of life. There, um, awesome. ultimately, I just find that whatever I share, I hope that is uplifting, is encouraging, it's inclusive, kind. Yes. And whether right. you agree or not, I mean, that's that's the type of environment and community I feel like I've formed in in every little social media and podcast <laughs> atmosphere that I have is one of you know, just realness. Yeah. So. And I would agree with that. That's what I've experienced
1: in, in how you post also. So, it Oh, good. Feels, okay. Good. It's feels very well. welcoming. Yeah. <laughs> but I want, I want people to hear that too, that even though you're being real, explaining your faith, um, which is great. Everybody should have a space to talk about what they believe. Um, but yeah, you are very inviting in the way you approach life. So encourage people to follow you at Ashlyn Carter. So let's switch gears for a bit then Ashlyn, um, you know, not to totally whiplash the topic, but we're talking real life stuff today. Mm-hmm. Can you walk me through the transition of the past year or two, what got you into homeschooling? And if I recall, it wasn't really on your bucket list. Is that right?
0: <laughs> no. And I, I really am excited to spend some time diving deep into this. Cause I don't feel like I've had enough time to process and like outwardly process it. So here we go. Yeah, here we go. Um, <laughs> So yeah, obviously, um, like many people that probably some you even have had on this podcast as of recently, I got thrown into the homeschool world, really last summer when I started being faced with, the realization that my kids probably will not be going back to school. And just to give you the full scope, we love our little elementary school at the street. Mm-hmm. It's a little, it's a public school. Last year was supposed to be my kids first year to oh. all be in school full time Oh, that's um, as like a TK first and third grader at the one school. And I was counting down those days. Like you wouldn't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it. So, I mean, I spent the whole summer holding my breath. And then finally, I think it was last July, actually, I decided, well, I better start thinking about plan B because Like a lot of people, I did get that um, distance learning experience in the spring with my older two, and it was really hard. The Mm -hmm. whole Zoom and just their ages, given their ages, and then I'd have three, and I just felt like I was a slave to the school system and their schedule. And I was like, "This is just—I don't think going to work for our family." Like my older son, I was confident in his ability, but my younger two, being in second and or first and TK, I was just going to be bouncing between computers for four yes. hours, and that right. was—I just thought there's got to be a better way. So, I did a lot of prayer and thinking and talking through it with my husband. And I do have a handful of friends who I knew. Um, were expert homeschoolers, (laughs) and I just started making phone calls and asking a lot of questions because I was scared out of my mind. Mm -hmm. And it was actually this wasn't even Plan B; this was like Plan F. And I was like, if this doesn't work, and we looked into the private school option, and then I started looking, you know, further. And then I was like, I think I I just felt this overwhelming sense that this was what I was supposed to do. And it was like, you had mentioned something that was never on my bucket list. I never had ever entertained the idea of being a homeschool mom because while I love encouraging people and I love my children, I I don't feel like I have the natural teacher abilities and like patience is really hard with, for me, with some of my kids. And I was just like, okay, (laughs) I don't know. So Long story short, last July, I had my friend, Nicole, who has three children as well. She's been homeschooling her kids for years. Um, I said, would you be open to hosting a homeschool kind of Q&A night. Mm-hmm. And she brought another one of her friends who had a little bit of older kids. And I sent the message out to a bunch of people in our community. And I probably had like 25 moms come yeah, to awesome. my house who were just like hungry for information, yep. um, who were like, we've never done this, but we might have to next year. Yep. And it was those people that I really pressed into and leaned into that gave me the confidence to just say, okay, we're going to go for it. And I don't care what next year is going to look like. I'm going to commit to this for the next year. And we're going to, we're just going to figure it out. We're going to go for it. Yeah. And the nice thing about
1: that too is that because everybody is in limbo worldwide, (laughs) like all the years to try to experiment with homeschooling, it was a great year to do it because Everybody's floundering in school, out of school, around school, under school, right? That's like Exactly. Nobody is having an excellent school year. And so even if parents walked away and said I felt like homeschooling was a colossal failure for us, even then you probably did a lot of things right and your kids are going to be fine relative to what everybody else is doing with their peer groups because I think a lot of teachers just walked away. Everybody just parents shaking their mm-hmm. heads like what was that school year? Exactly. Um, and so at least, you know, there's a there's yeah. there's like this camaraderie of struggle. Yes,
0: yes, that does make me feel better Um, because at least where we are in Southern California and San Diego, our school didn't go back until like six weeks before school got out.
1: Yeah, it was about So, I
0: mean, they were pretty much home the entire year, which made me feel better. And I never once regretted my decision because I don't know, I ended up working. If they would have gone back like six weeks into the school year, would I have re-enrolled them? Maybe, (laughs) no, but- um. All that to say is, yeah, we did it. We finished our first year, and I cried—very happy, thankful, proud tears. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's good, and you should
1: because um, it is a it is a huge thing to under to undertake and to do well. Mm. And this is always a good bit where I slide in the comment just in case somebody's listening to the podcast for the first time. So something I say throughout all our videos, um, series, and the book, and teaching parents how to homeschool is homeschooling is not proof that you love your children. Mm -hmm. I know there's this self judgment out there. If I really loved my kids, I'm home. I'd homeschool them. And that just Mm -hmm. isn't the case. Mm -hmm. I know how to swim. I was a competitive swimmer in like junior high, high school. And I hire a coach to teach my kids butterfly and freestyle. It's not that Mm -hmm. I can't teach them, but that's just not something I feel compelled to teach them or called to Mm -hmm. teach them or what have you. And so if if you're listening and all concerned that oh no this is another one of those podcasts where there's a lot of shame if you don't <laughs> homeschool then this is not that podcast because mm-hmm. um, after having taught in the public school system for years I was homeschooled I went to Stanford and Duke and have written books on education and taught in the military right like lots of different perspectives of schooling there's mm-hmm. more than one way to get a great education so that's kind of where um, I'm coming from in the conversation and Ashlyn, you and I had a chance to catch up on that ahead of time, but for folks listening as well, like understand this is a safe place to talk about lots of ways to learn. And that's why I'm so glad you're here. Cause you guys really like by an F you, you had a <laughs> lot of plans for how to learn last year. I think a mm-hmm. lot of people did. So yeah. homeschooling the first year is really full of a lot, right? Surprises, challenges. Mm-hmm. Things you may want to repeat, things you don't. So what surprised you about
0: homeschooling? Honestly, what surprised me is I, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your pockets, but I am surprised by how much I did love it. And, um, I mean, there were a whole nother list of challenges, of course, but yeah, we'll get to those next worry. Yeah. Once <laughs> I, once I just kind of took a deep breath, like I'm, I'm the oldest of four. I'm such a perfectionist. I get really, I'm really hard on myself if I can't get it right the first time, you know, and I did all the research and I kind of hodgepodged all of our curriculum together. But once I took that leap and did it, I was like, Oh my goodness. I, my eyes were open for the first time of like, I see the draw to homeschool. I see why families do this and, and how much freedom it gives and how much you're able to bend your, you know, education to each particular child and their needs. And, um, I, I just, I loved it. I loved so many aspects about it and it and it's given me the confidence, um, that if I feel called to, or should need to, again, I would do it in a heartbeat. Nice. Um, and I loved having those, just that freedom of like, okay, let's start when we're ready to start and we'll be done by noon and we're going to have the rest of the day to take off and head to the beach or go hike or do whatever. So yeah. I loved the freedom aspect. Um, And just kind of being in control of, and I just didn't realize how, how in control I could be of my children's education. Mm -hmm. And then I will say last thing that I can think of, um, that surprised me about it is, um, well, going more off what I loved about it. But um yeah, being able to my, my older two kids, I feel like I just relied on their public school teachers and preschool teachers to teach them how to read, right? Mm-hmm. Well, with my TKer, I like gotta work with her and like see her fully read this last year, you know, she's, she's five now. And so, and she just wanted to keep up with her older siblings. And I mean, that was so special to be able to sit and talk with or teach my five-year-old how to read this year and just feel like, oh my gosh, like we did this together. That's really remarkable. And just to see all those little light bulb moments go off was really cool. Yeah, it's true. I
1: think teaching a child to read is one of the fun parts of parenting and it's, it's strange to say that because it's the one thing I think that scares parents the most that and calculus probably. (laughs) Yeah. like I can't do either of those. Oh goodness. But just like when we watch our kids learn how to walk, we don't feel like we need to, you know, to be an occupational therapist or physical therapist to teach them to walk. But for some reason, when it's time to teach reading, we're like, Oh, I need a degree. It's like, no, not really. There are are resources out there. Absolutely. Um, And that's not, I mean, I have a teaching degree, so it's not like to totally cut teachers off at the knees. It's just, no, there's lots of good stuff out there to make it doable. So that's great. Those are all great surprises. Um, and we'll get to the challenges bit in the next question, but how about life giving? You mentioned a bunch of them in terms of flexibility and being home, but homeschooling is a lot of work. So Mm. is there something about it that helped offset the work for you or filled your tank in positive ways? Um,
0: like something about homeschool that was life-giving. Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, the whole thing was just a week. <laughs> <didn't> say that. <laughs> no, I think what was life-giving was having the space in our in our days to just slow down. And um I don't know. I felt like for the first time I was able to be the mom that I had always dreamed I was gonna be, if that makes yeah. sense. I always thought I was gonna be the mom that was gonna be just more patient and able to sit down and, you know, read through a book book with my kids and do fun art projects and go explore. And I just, before this last year was sometimes that mom, but not always. Mm -hmm. And one really awesome life giving thing that we did was we incorporated a lot of like our faith background into our day. Yeah. Um, and that was really special. And it was something that, again, I don't think I would ever have slowed down and made a priority unless I was given this opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, we we did more baking together. I'm just, we did more artwork together and I was never the mom that was quick to get out the paints or the Play-Doh or the crafts because I didn't want the mess. And this year I was just like, let's do it. We've got the time, you know? Yeah. And so that was really life-giving for me to just be able to slow down and be present with my kids you know, not hundred percent of the time, but no. did gardening and, you know, just, just those type of things that you always, I think before children romanticize and then yes. real life happens. And then you're like, wait, when are we going to do all the fun stuff? We're just right. running from school to activities to bed, you know? And then homework, as they get older, there's a lot. There's exactly. A lot in our days. And I think
1: COVID kind of gave a unusual picture of homeschooling for better or worse this last year. On the one hand like mm-hmm. you're saying, yeah, there's all this free time, which true as the homeschool parent, you can customize your schedule to be whatever you want it to be. So if you only mm-hmm. want all of your kids to do one day of sports a week and like, that's it. And the other four days, you're home super yeah. You can control that. <laughs> but for a lot of homeschool families, they'd slide the big chunk of academics, you know, early morning to lunch ish, depending on the age. And then the whole afternoon is slotted full of things. So homeschoolers can also get stuck in that cycle of we're just going all the time. That's um, true. So the COVID homeschool life was a bit slower for a lot mm. of us because our co-ops were canceled all of our choir and debate and computer robotics and blah 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 all was canceled yeah,
0: so that was true a nice,
1: it was nice to slow down that way but then you also missed all the social stuff so you didn't get to do the
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. all the fun stuff that's what i hear is that you know I didn't get the, like a full picture of homeschool because a lot of people are involved. Yeah. in their co-ops and their groups. And that would have been wonderful.
1: <laughs> it's not at all a ding on your experience. Cause it's, you know, you can't control COVID, please. Could you control COVID for us? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> uh, oh. but no, it's just to say like, yeah, I love that you're able to enjoy this lower part of it. And it can be that even outside of COVID, um, which mm-hmm. is beautiful. Our family always took our vacations, off season, um, so that we could afford to, and it was great to never wait in lines at theme parks or whatever, because everybody was in school.
0: Yeah. We did do a lot of that traveling this year. And even with the people that were doing the distance learning or whatnot, I felt like they were still again, tied to a school district's timeline. And so just to be able to break away and do our own thing. And it was very life-giving. I love that. Okay. So then now for the challenging, so that people know we're not just like
1: putting whipped cream on (laughs) all year. Homeschooling isn't easy. Not for anybody, not, not for any of us. So what were some of those points of friction that you encountered and were they what you anticipated before you began? Or was it something that you're like, Oh, didn't think that was going to be a challenge, but here we go.
0: Yeah. I think one of the biggest struggles was in the beginning, um, just trying to figure out, what resources I was going to use, what would best fit our family and mm-hmm. my particular children and this child versus that child. And then once I like I mentioned, once we got into that and I got my stuff and I was like, all right, we're committed. Um I did find it challenging, you know, like I did a, a math curriculum and I was like, you know, a third of the way through just feeling like it wasn't what I'd hoped it would be. It was a little ch- it was a little too easy for my children. So it was mm-hmm. like making that swap and that switch. And just I think Being a first-time homeschooler, homeschooling mom and homeschooler, just trying to figure out, are we where we should be? Like, do they, you know, we're getting through our workbooks, but where are they really struggling? Um, Where do they need help? I forgot, you know, first grade, such a huge reading year as far as the development of, you know, jumping from basic reading to level like I or whatever in the books. And so mm. I forgot how much patience that really takes. Like it's one thing to teach your kid to read, but then yep. to really be ramping up. You're like, that learning. was fun. So now like, it's your dad's turn to read. Yeah, you the next three months. exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, and so, um, yeah, I have one child that are just is out of the three a little bit, a little bit more needier. Um, our personalities clash a little bit, and it just yeah. takes a lot of patience out of me. And so, as I had anticipated, that was the one that um, yeah. really oof that brought me to my knees <laughs> yes. several times this year. But again, it was so refining, and it was so good for me as a parent. But it was challenging. It was challenging yes. to because a lot of a lot of people I spoke to in the beginning they were saying. You know, you're not like teacher for two hours and then you take your hat off and then your mom, like you are what you are at home. And so it was really hard for me to want to get school done by a certain time every day, because like I mentioned, I'm very like focused, time oriented, and then them not wanting to, you know, work with me. And then me losing my patience. And I mean, I I probably apologized 800 times this last year about... If that's what your kids learn, you should try <laughs> to apologize. What a great life skill. Seriously. Seriously. That's, it's hard for me to apologize and it's hard for me to have patience. So it was it was a lot as far as just being patient. Like I said, I'm not a natural teacher. And so like when my son wasn't understanding concepts on multiplication or vision, I'm like... I don't really know how else to explain this. This is just kind of what it is, you know? And so that was challenging, trying to find creative ways. Um, and yeah, allowing my husband to step in sometimes and try to get him to explain it in maybe a different way that would resonate with that child. So there was a lot of lost patience, hard moments where. I felt like, man, I just wish I could just be a fun mom. And yep. now I have to do this new role as teacher. I call it the sheriff role. Yeah. My son yeah. Like I'm sheriff all day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so it just felt like tough sometimes to yes. want to be the loving, sweet mom. But at the same time, we 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 have to, this is school, you know? And I yeah. kept saying like, this, you're not gonna, this isn't the kind of work that you would turn into a teacher. Like, I know you, you can do better why are you giving this to mom yes. because I'm your mom? You know what I mean? It's like, they weren't really, it's their first year too. So I think they kind of slacked off a little bit, at least my older son. I was like, I know you can do better writing, you know, and, and you wouldn't turn this into your teacher from last year, but just cause it's me doesn't mean you don't have to try harder. Yeah. So there there's were a lot these, of that.
1: All these creative cells we were trying to work through um, as well, because with our kids in a co-op, a lot of times they have reading circles or writing circles where they bring in something they've written and they read to their peers and that's enough of an incentive to write better, but we lost that with COVID. Hmm. It was like, okay, I'm gonna video you reading it and we're gonna send <laughs> it to your grandparents and your cousins. And that was sometimes enough to be like, oh, oh, I better do a nice job. I'm like, Yes. What mom's not good
0: enough? No, really, mom's not probably. So <laughs> I know that was good. That's creative. See, oh, I could right. have used that. <laughs> I was like, yeah. present it in front of us and your dad. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And sometimes even like extra parent is, is enough. Um, but again, COVID made all that trickier. So yeah, I, I totally hear that. I think parents, it's a common concern. Am I doing enough? Does my kid know enough? How do I mm-hmm. know if my kid knows enough? Um, and a lot of times if the parents are asking that question, you're probably doing fine. It's the parents who are like, nah, she's fine. Those are the ones we worry about. But <laughs> the parents who, oh, yeah. in the temperature and they're like, is it enough? Uh, they probably have a good read because our our parent meters are still so sensitive. Those yellow flags will wave, and we're like, I think I feel like you should have gotten the multiplication tables by now. You're in
0: sixth grade, yeah. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those I know. Wave. I think maybe I went overboard. We'll see. I guess time will tell. But from what I from what I hear, the curriculum that I chose was a little bit more challenging, and they were somewhat they're keeping up and good. Yeah. So I think I think You're we'll be okay. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah. my mom is a fourth grade teacher and my son's going into fourth. So I was like, okay, how does this work look compared to your fourth graders? How's he doing? He's like, okay, you know, as long as he knows this, this and this, he'll be fine. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And the state tests will,
1: will help prove that out for you too. I'm sure. And like, whew, right. That's sort of a feeling afterwards. Um, Because I know at least for my dad, when my mom started homeschooling us, he wasn't as big a fan the first year. We didn't have options in the area. The school I was in was pretty toxic uh, socially. Mm. And so they pulled me out in like second, third grade. And um, he was like, I don't know about this homeschooling thing. And this was (laughs) back in the 80s when it was (laughs) not legitimized at all. People kept talking about socially awkward weirdos and, you know, like a lot of really negative adjectives attached to homeschooling. Mm. And it wasn't until the state scores came back at the end of the year, dad was like, oh. Actually, they're doing as well or better. Okay, this works. <laughs> that
0: yeah, was, that's so true. I know. My husband was wow. like, "So are they actually learning stuff?" I'm like, "Yeah, yep." <laughs> like, fingers <laughs> crossed behind my back.
1: <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, yeah. sometimes yeah, oh, the God, truth God. is in the pudding. Let's start with that. One. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I remember having a conversation um, with a good friend a few years back who had like kind of like you, but under different circumstances, given homeschooling a shot for a year. Um, But she did not enjoy the experience at all. Um, And she, at the end of it, decided to put her kids back in school the following year. And at this time we were in different cities. So we were talking over the phone and one night she called me and she just felt terrible. She kept saying, she's like, I'm such a failure because homeschooling didn't work for me. And she was really feeling down about it. And my alternative view for her, which I would also throw out here um, to those listening, who've had this experience you have where they're like, yeah, that was it. We did it, but I don't really want to do it for the next year Mm -hmm. um, is that you know, outside of COVID where we were being forced all of us in some, fo- some way to educate at home, failure mm-hmm. would have been never trying it in the first place, just because mm. she wasn't sure whether or not it would work. And she would have this, you know, itch in her brain to try it. She tried. It, it was like, yep, I can now quiet that itch. Cause I tried it and I didn't like it. Mm. And her kids went back into school. They hadn't missed a step. They hadn't lost a beat. And as far as I could see, she gave it her best go. And just discovered more about herself and her family along the way about what they needed. So like when I would get off the phone with her, I'm like, Hey, that's a win as far as social science. Absolutely. Go, that's a total win. So I, so I put all that up by introducing the next question for you, which is, I know you tried homeschooling for a year and you and I talked before all this, so you decided after the year was over to go back to traditional school. Can you help people listening here? What helped you make that decision? What did you learn from walking through that process? What are you excited about for them going back to traditional school?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm like I mentioned, I never had thought about homeschooling. And so the fact that we did it and we made it through a year, I'm super proud. Yeah. Um, the reason I think my kids are going to go back is. I, we do, we are fortunate to live in an area with a really, really like high level public elementary school. And it's awesome. Right up the street. We can walk there, all of our friends and community go there. Um, and my kids really, really loved it there and we have really great teachers. And so I think that's, partly why we're going back, um, is because we missed the community we missed our school and they will be back open five days a week next year. (laughs) There's a few frustrating things for me personally, um, that I'm not loving, like how it might be looking as far as, you know, COVID related stuff. But all that to say is they really want to go back. And, um, I don't know. I feel like I need to honor that in their their request too, because mm-hmm. they are a getting a good education and feel very privileged in that way. They have great community there. And as far as personally, it was a huge sacrifice, obviously on any parent that decides to homeschool well worth the sacrifice. But I also um, would love to just have a little bit of me time back and being able to get some stuff done in the hours they're gone and have them come home to a a mom who missed them and is happy yeah. and has dinner prepped and can be fully present at night yes. to yep. help them and love on them and do all that stuff. So, but like I mentioned earlier, doing this this first year has taken all the fear out of homeschooling and the what ifs and what if I fail, um, out of it. And I just, it's given me confidence that I don't know. I now I'm saying never say never. I I think a small part of me is really going to miss having them home, of course. And it was such a special time. And so who knows, who knows what the next public school holds and how we feel about sending that particular child there. And again, if I ever, feel the need to do it again. I will in a heartbeat. Right. And there is that flexibility there, which is so key and that you highlighted on that's,
1: I mean, one of the beautiful things about homeschooling being legal nationwide and us having access to free education nationwide. Mm. I mean, we take that for granted, but that's not everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And so that we have the freedom to choose is wonderful and we should exercise it in both directions. Absolutely, so, yeah, like you've tried it out for a year. You now kind of know what it is. You're like, Oh, okay. I got this homeschooling thing, you know, like I I understand enough of it to, to see it for what it is. And Mm -hmm. you miss the community piece. That's absolutely valid. And then Mm -hmm. somewhere along the way, if you end up with some weird life transition, right. Or, the school does something funky or closes, or I don't know. One of your kiddos needs something extra. That's in your wheelhouse now. To be like, oh, you, we're going to take you home for like a year. <laughs> exactly, absolutely. And then we're putting you back. And I've yeah. seen families do that where they go back and forth and and back and and it, and, you know, it works. So that's mm-hmm. excellent that you, I mean, have had that experience and know that you want to go back and give your local school a try. It sounds like a wonderful school. I wish I'd had that kind of school.
0: I, <laughs> I know. Same Element It is school. a dreamy little place. I know. Yeah. That's a
1: special pocket. So that's great. So then given how this last year has gone, um, what are some key resources as you're reflecting back that made your job as teacher easier this past year or that you may have even come across at the end of the year and you're like, oh, wish I'd had that one when we started, but oh, well
0: yeah well obviously not to mention your courses that I should have paid more attention to in the beginning I feel like would have really helped me out and had a lot more success but like I also mentioned too is just not being afraid to ask people if you can take them to coffee or get them on the phone for 30 minutes that have done this I feel like that has just given given me so much um peace. And I just did so much research and just different people on the internet and Instagram. And, but yeah, I was really, I think those few handful of friends, again, I, they weren't even that close of a friends, but I just felt, um, led to reach out and they were so kind and generous to share their information. And I think calm all my nerves of like, Mm -hmm. you got this, it's not as complicated as you think. And so those people really, um, really helped out. So I would say, yeah, to not be afraid to reach out to people that, you know, that are doing it. And, um, that's excellent if they're willing to, yeah, give some advice.
1: That's excellent advice. Cause I know a lot of families did try to do it on their own, right? They did try to bootstrap it or cobble something together by reading 30 different blogs. And it's like, yeah, if you can find that one mentor person, or like you said, you had hosted that gathering in your home, that's awesome. Or, don't know any homeschoolers ever come find us at homeschool expert. That's why we built this platform to teach parents how to teach from home. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. But what I think is really beautiful about your, um, services and your videos is that it is a one-stop shop. And I think it hits on so many of the, just the questions that people are, are wanting and needing to know that, I think it is incredible and I don't really feel like there's anything else like that. So props and hats off to you for creating such an amazing resource. Oh, thanks so much,
1: Ashlyn. Yeah, the goal of Homeschool Expert is to make homeschooling accessible to anyone from any background. We really believe that parents know and love their child better than anyone. And if you're an expert on your kiddo, why not be an expert on how to teach them from home? Um, There's so many ways to learn at home nowadays, especially as a result of COVID, whether it's online or through the public school at home, through the state at home, private homeschooling. We talk about all that here um, and give parents the resources they need to teach in whatever means fits their family best. So I'm really excited to have created this resource. Um, Basically, after listening to parents ask the same questions for decades, the same 15 questions, um, I put them together in a book. Uh, things like you know, how do I homeschool, and what about multiples around the same table, and is it really legal, and am I going to wreck my kid, and you know, all those really important questions. Um, put them together in a single resource so that parents don't feel like they've got to reinvent the wheel of homeschooling, to use an overused metaphor, but instead um, have a one-stop shop where they get everything they need, as you said, and are able to teach their kids successfully. So thanks. I appreciate the endorsement and I'm excited to have this resource in the hands of your listeners and mine. Absolutely. So then in response to parents who feel unsure whether or not they're qualified to homeschool their kids, because I know you kind of hinted at that one in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think are the skills that have been most important in your role as homeschool mom? And that could be, you know, whether or not it reflects on party planning because you're like, oh my goodness, every day's a party in my house <laughs> or, um Yeah, what did you find yourself drawing on that helped you realize you didn't need a teaching degree to do this? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think it just kind of came down to being really organized. I got one of those, um, gosh, I can't, I'm blanking on the name of the planner right now, but it's like a homeschool planner. It was Uh very thick, super intense, probably more than I needed. But um, usually on Sundays, I would sit down and just kind of go through my week and figure out, you know, what pages we need to do in the math books, what um you know days we're on or whatever as far as literature and all of that. And so I kind of was plan out our weeks. And so that was hugely helpful. Um I designated we don't have a huge house. We don't have a homeschool room. We had nothing fancy but we just yeah bunkered down at our dining room table. Or spread out a little bit if needed here and there. But what I did get is one of those rolling carts and I just kept every child's just books and curriculum um, books just in those little packets with their own little pencil box. So with a few mm-hmm. supplies, super simple. And then I had a little small section in our laundry room in our house. It's very tiny, but I tried to keep it super organized with all of our curriculum books and the little cart rolling cart we'd roll in and out every day yeah. and we kept it simple but just being a little bit organized doing the planning and just having a little space to tuck that stuff away it was extremely helpful for me yeah. and kept me a little bit more sane um I mean I would have loved to have this whole extra homeschool room but we just we live in southern California we don't have the luxury of <laughs> having that big um a house down here, but yeah. So even the people who do,
1: like, just as a side note, nobody really uses the room. <laughs> it's, um, good, it's, okay, it's good, good to know misconception. So you're you're totally in the clear on the homeschool room. Um, I think I I can almost count on one hand the people I know with homeschool rooms who actually use them. Most folks just end up on the couch or at the kitchen table. So sounds okay, like good. your cart was a winner. Yeah, that's oh, a good. good.
0: Yeah, the dining room and the little cart from Michaels was perfect. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's
1: great. And so, yeah, it doesn't take much. And I mean, yes, we, we don't, I don't want to undersell it. That's the last thing I want to do is people to be like homeschooling is easy. All I do is buy a card at Michael's and I'm done, Yeah, uh, which I don't think you're saying at all. So no. I want to make sure I'm not saying that, but yeah, if you resource and tool yourself well enough um, and, and yeah, find that resource that teaches you how to teach and then get your supplies in one space and brings a lot of sanity. I think it removes a lot of the anxiety. Cause you're like, okay, I have a plan. I got the stuff and
0: I got kids. That's enough. Yeah. Sp- and one thing I think I learned that everybody I think says is that you, you just, you can't really grasp it until you get into It's just like to just kind of roll with it and like, Hold your ear loosely. And if everyone's having an off day to just shut the books and be like, all right, we're gonna try again tomorrow. And I yep. just couldn't even fathom that. I was like, well, <laughs> what do you mean? When you come from us, the school system, where you are in school for six or seven hours a day. That's how I grew up. And then my children have been that way. I'm like, well, what do you mean we just stop and do it again tomorrow? Like, you know, but it, that really does work. And when you can just be more calm and relaxed, I think as a parent, as a teacher, I mean, it just, it just translates so much better when you're trying to teach and um in a calm, patient environment. So that was a huge learning lesson, something that I heard, but I didn't understand until we got there. And mm yeah, there's so much wisdom and truth to that as just, um, the flexibility and not having to be so rigid. Um, and knowing that going into it gave me so much confidence when we did have those days, I was like, okay, this is what they say. We're just, we're going to move on. We're not going to do school today. So
1: it's a breath of fresh air a bit too. And part of why that works. I mean, for those who are like that, it's not possible. You're shortchanging your child's education. You know, like you're saying they they haven't homeschooled yet and don't know what that Mm -hmm. means. It's like, no, if we're working on on a one-on-one ratio with a kiddo, I can accomplish in five to 10 minutes that as a teacher would take me 45 in a class of 25 or 30, because I'm doing eight other things like corralling people and passing out, which takes a long time. And Mm -hmm. there are all kinds of time wasters when we add bodies in a space Absolutely, teachers are doing their best. I did my best, but We just have to accomplish less in a class period because there are more people. And so, yeah, if I'm at home with my kids and I'm using curriculum that the the state is also using, Mm -hmm. but they've got a lot more bodies in a room, I can take a day off from time to time and be like, you know what? It's grammar worksheet. It's going to be here tomorrow. Exactly. And we can even do one and a half pages tomorrow and the world won't end. So yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely. And yeah, and one other thing I can think of is um, it was really neat to be able to find, like we did this literature program, like early American history. And I did it for all three of my kids. We did it all together. And uh-huh. maybe my older one had to do a little bit more writing as a follow-up to what we were learning or the books we were reading. But it was really neat and interesting to see how, one curriculum on early American history can cater to each of your children, yeah, and they can all participate, and then almost like the younger ones are learning from the older ones, responses and questions and excitement, you know,, yes. so that was a really, I think, surprising neat piece I didn't expect as well, yeah, that's fun, and i
1: I mean, I suspect you'll keep reading with your kids. Whether they're in traditional school or homeschool, mm, and absolutely, and I think that's part of the fun is finding those books that are life giving and meaningful. Um, we just developed a free resource, um, which I think I may have sent to you already, but if not, I can send you the link, and the listeners here have it as well. Uh, we've been working on it for like ten or fifteen years. It's a free resource on the website, but it's basically all these books that either curriculum companies have used time and again, or have won a lot of awards, or the state, you know, consistently brings into classrooms because they're so great. Books like. Mm you know the chronicles of narnia types of books or because mm. dixie or little house on the prairie except two or three layers deep that we don't know like most parents are like i have no idea other than the f- 10 you know novels that everybody can recite that they read as a kid i i don't know past that what's out there and so we've put together this 13 um, page resource that anybody can oh. download free it's called for the love of reading and the funny part about it which i love what you said about one book adapting to multiple ages Uh, When I first passed the list around to get a lot of feedback, one piece of feedback was, well, it's not divided by grade. And I said, correct, (laughs) because books aren't divided by grade. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: You can take most any great classic reader and read it to a wide range of kids. And you may have to pause more frequently to make sure they're keeping up with the narration of what's happening, but you can still read it to, to a whole bunch of them from a whole bit, you know, different grade levels. So. Yeah.
0: Um, as you guys keep reading as a family, that's there. If you guys want Oh, Awesome. I'm going to have to find that it's on your website there under, is it under the free resources, free tools and links,
1: free tools and links. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay. That's exciting. Yeah. Thank you. But I, Ashlyn, I know that you're busy and (laughs) we're recording this at night because the kids are all hopefully down and (laughs) quiet. So thank you. I wish they were. They're not. (laughs) like you're still up when you come out. Yeah, come on. Um, but seriously, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me about this, to be real and as we were saying, authentic and true. Um has been a tough year for everybody and to hear what homeschooling was like for you and how you got into it, what you got out of it and what you liked and, you know, what you changed, what you're doing next year, all that's really meaningful and I know it's going to be helpful for a lot of the people listening. So, thank Good. you so much for making the time to talk.
0: Well, thank you so much, Anna. Like I said, it was a privilege to speak with you. Thank you. I'm honored to have that you would have me on your podcast. And I really appreciate everything that you're doing to help moms like me figure (laughs) all this stuff out. So gosh, bless you. you. You're amazing. Thank you. My pleasure. And thank you,
1: friend, for joining us today. I hope you're walking away from this conversation feeling more equipped to teach the ones you love. See you next time.
0: Thanks for joining Anne Crossman on our podcast, helping you homeschool confidently with help from the experts. You can do this, and we are here to help. We invite you to follow us on social media and subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date on the latest resources. See you next time.